0: Welcome to this special edition episode of Designing the Robot Revolution, where we talk about how we can survive and thrive as creatives in the robot revolution. So, Jacob, we had to jump on
1: out of season. Mm-hmm. Slightly controversial to break with the seasons.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is season 2.5 then, I guess. It's some Bo- middle thingy.
1: It is, but when important things happen, DTRR is here. We are on it. And I have never seen so much buzz about anything artificial intelligence as all of the chat GPT. And it's been going on
0: for a long time.
1: It has. Like dominating my LinkedIn feed and Twitter feed. So many guides of how to do chat GPT and those screenshots
0: cries for help Uh, (laughs) (laughs) everyone everyone is losing their jobs chat gtp is just gonna go in without any any modifications to it and it's just gonna take your job and you can just go relax because we have to figure out ubi now that's the only problem for humanity is figuring out ubi universal basic income
1: but, I mean, it's a range, isn't it? Because I feel like, the, yes, there has been those cries for help. I've actually had a couple of friends message me saying, yeah. who who work in creative agencies, really genuinely worried about their yeah. immediate future. But then also you have the kind of, I'd say, slightly smug AI evangelicals who are kind of like, seem to be, this is validating what they've been saying and they're kind of trumpeting ChatGPT like it's their own tool they've created. And then, of course, have you ever seen as many kind of micro tools popping up? Like there's like lists no. of 50, just all these tiny little products sitting on top of Chat GPT, coming out every day.
0: It reminds you of when apps were a thing for real. Like, yeah, there's an app for that. And it's probably now driven by AI. Um, no, it's, it's crazy. And not very constructive, all but like it's not always super constructive, is it?
1: No, and I've said to you, I find it actually exhausting, just there's so much noise. Um, so this episode, it's not going to be what you've been getting everywhere else, it's not going to be a long list of all the tools or how Chat GPT is going to change the world and life, but we want to address specifically a, a big chunk of our audience. So it's it's people working in the creative industries, designers, developers, copywriters, art directors. Um, and we want to be talking to, to that group of people because we think it's ChatGPT has some really interesting implications for that group. And we're going to kind of dig underneath to, to what extent is this uh, a paradigm shift that is happening now uh, that has implications that that group of people need to really get on top of now versus is it overhyped? Um, and so we want to really focus on the how for that group, don't we?
0: We did a little poll on LinkedIn just to get a feel for what people that saw that poll thought about using the chat g tools. And I thought everyone would have tried it. Is one thing, but it turns out that it's a pretty even split between people that are using it a lot and people that have used it just to try it out, uh, and then people that haven't used it at all. And I think that's interesting because I, even though there's a, like we're we're in the middle of this crazy hype cycle, I still think that it's very very important to get to know these tools and to understand how they work and what their limitations are and what their strengths are and what you can do with it and what isn't really possible. So I'm I'm quite excited about that. Uh, Like just piggybacking on what you said about you talk to people that haven't like don't they don't know how to process this. I've also been helping some people just to create an account on ChatGTP and get in there and try something and, Mm. and just build a little bit of a story or something like that just to try it out feel it out what's it good for and i think it's important to to do that just to know a little bit about what's happening basically because it is impactful if not because of the the reasons that sometimes are are sort of given Yeah. Uh, <clears throat>
1: I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, looking back, uh, the Gartner hype cycle 2022 mm-hmm. had generative AI right at the top of peak of hype. Yeah. And then, but it really, a lot did happen in 2022, didn't it? We had Midjourney and Dali coming into the mainstream use. That yep. was another frenzy of, um, of yeah. LinkedIn stream and,
0: and And right around that, Time it was, there was a lot of like talk in the media about some Google dude that got very convinced that their AI bot was sentient. Yeah, but then that sort of fizzled out. The chatbot stuff didn't really take off for mm-hmm. a couple of months, and then they released Chat GTP uh, and it just blew up, didn't it?
1: Yeah like a part of me is wondering, i i kind of flip between is what we're seeing just a classic um you know hyper focused hype cycle you know lots of attention on what is a, a just a classic journey through hype into the trough of disillusionment mm. um is it is is that all we're seeing, or have we actually witnessed the first release of something? That is going to have immediate impact on people's jobs and people's lives, and I kind of I kind of flip between the two. So that's part of what I want to explore in this episode: those those different sides.
0: And I think that's right. I think both of those things can be true at the same time. I don't think there is a like sort of a mutual exclusivity to this. I think we're in the middle of a hype cycle. I think that we are to some extent overestimating how big a shift this specific tool is and especially i think we're overestimating the dramatic increase for the next iteration of this like g chat gtp 4.0 or whatever they're going to call it yeah Um, i don't think that that's going to dramatically change anything i see i don't
1: i don't know jacob because I mean, I see like, you know, I see these AI evangelicals and they post yeah. the graphics of here's the size of the language model for chat GPT-3, here's what it is for four. Oh my God, you haven't seen <laughs> anything yet. Buckle up, it's coming out. Like it's a big movie about to drop. And I, I just, I don't know, is, is, might it? Maybe. I, I tell you what, what we listened to last week, um, and it was really inspiring. Uh, was the Ezra Klein podcast, the New York Times journalist? I mean,
0: that is a good podcast.
1: We'll wow. link to that in the show notes. Fantastic episode. I mean, great podcast generally, but that episode alone, mm. um, and it's a, it's it's taking a skeptical view on what we've seen with this, with some real, some true AI evangelicals, but who are more on the skeptical side of things they want it to be impactful but they're calling out really maybe it isn't quite as impactful
0: right and i think part of that has to do with how the technology works right that's my my takeaway from from that and a lot of other resources is it's interesting with neural networks and and what they do with what they do with this big data thing i mean we've heard about big data for a long time now and now we're seeing the effects of big data this is what big data does for you um but it is a regurgitation that's something that we should be aware of and we're going to get into that later in the episode but everything that you get out from um from using this kind of tool is the sort of closest approximation of words that can be put together that are likely to make sense to the reader. <laughs> I think that's yeah. a very telling thing that you have to be that careful when you say what it is because it there is no meaning to it. No, The AI does not understand what it's doing and it's not doing it because of a purpose. It's just doing it because it's the likeliest thing to... Makes sense,
1: and one of the things that really kind of makes me laugh a little bit about it is mm. the confidence and hubris with which ChatGPT answers. You can answer, <laughs> it, you can ask it a very complex question that it doesn't really have the knowledge to answer, but it comes back with a yes and gives you this confident sounding answer yeah. that, if you know the subject matter, if you go and test it and validate it, it's full of misinformation. But it's presented so confidently.
0: Yeah. And, and it, it does this with resource. Uh, it was uh, you that told me this, mm. it, it, that you you ask it to create uh, an article, a summary of an article, and it made up references. I've heard this in other places as well. But that's interesting to me that it actually is allowed to do that. Yeah. I don't understand why they don't just hard-code into the model that you never, never, ever reference anything.
1: Yeah, but I reckon if they'd had more kind of um, traffic lights or more kind of safety measures within the tool, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't be seeing the buzz that you're getting now. Right. If Because then if you had more kind of, oh, we can't answer this or I don't have that, it is this kind of hubristic, this overconfident kind of... Um, yes, here you go, here's the answer, that I think is, is fueling the uh, the wow.
0: Yeah. Okay, but David, I mean, we, we, we see these limitations and it's very clear that it, it, it has these limitations, but do you think it's useful? Have you used it and had some use from it?
1: Yes, extremely useful. I was chatting to a colleague who said, ChatGPT is now his right arm. He has it open all the time. I have used it a lot since it came out. I've used it to write blog posts, mm-hmm. to create SEO content, to summarize a business case. Now all of those I've used it, it hasn't it hasn't been like I've written it in and then the first time it spat out exactly mm-hmm. what I need. Yeah. But I've used it as a tool to query to generate lots of content. Right and then can use it to sharpen it. So you can say, this is good, but make it shorter, or this is good, but you need to include that. And then, to be fair, I have then actually had to take even the most final output from that and spend time editing it, polishing it. It isn't pumping out exactly what I need Right. right away. But it does that hard first part. I was reflecting, sometimes when you're... The hardest part as a writer um, or, you know, when you're developing a concept is actually just getting that first draft out because mm-hmm. it, it, that uh, there's a quote, I think, so it's, writing is editing, right. essentially having that first thing to work from. It, it is, is the hardest part. And yeah. that is, I think, where ChatGPT has been fantastic in terms yeah, of lovely. writing. It gives you that first draft to, to get going on.
0: I think what I have had to learn is that that first draft isn't mine. Yeah. I Because when I did it, the first couple of like 10, 15 texts that I generated, I had the sense that, oh, this is good. This is mine. I've done this. I did this. But I, I really didn't. I, you have to go into that process that you're talking about and and rethink it, rewrite it, redo it. And it's quite a lot of work, but it's much faster than coming up with all of it by yourself. Yeah. Uh, and you, you get this partner that isn't annoyed with you because you're so slow in coming yeah. up with good ideas. And that's, yeah, it's just great. It's fantastic that to have that. And I have actually used and been very satisfied with the raw output of ChatGTP in the form of a letter to someone that I sort of missed an appointment with All right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's super embarrassing and i didn't have time to think about it so i asked it to write me a thing uh and it was in english so it, it just spat out that and likely i'm not going to do that if it's not like a very standard thing that i need like a, an invitation or or something to a very but it can do very short things I, i've seen that it when it when it only needs to spit out a couple of lines it's usually better than when it's a long text because when it's a long text, it gets confused and it just like sort of repeats itself and it's stupid. But for short little things that are very standardized, why not? But I
1: think that's a good example there, the apologetic thing, because it's the emotional labor, the kind of emotional cognitive strain of having Mm. to write that that actually takes the energy. And just to be able to pump that Ooh, yeah, do you know what? This is good enough to send us an apology letter. I did a similar one with a post on one of the blogs I work on mm-hmm. for uh, social media. I could spend ages just yeah. tampering around and instead I was just like, mm, let's see what it is. And I looked at it and I thought, it's not great but it's okay. Send. And so it's the emotional labour that it removes. Another for, for, for my work where it has actually performed very well um, has been as a source of generating questions for interviews, mm. so I've been able to tell it, "I'm you're a, you're a business analyst interviewing these people about this." Generate some questions that cover topic A, B, or C, and just in you know in that few seconds, it has generated many questions, and some of them aren't questions that I necessarily been thinking of. And I thought, well, "That's that's a good one." Yeah. Um, another, um, way it's been very useful is, uh, when I've been in a meeting and I've taken notes, unstructured notes on what has been discussed in the meeting oh, yeah. and you just pump that in and say, summarize this into a short summary in order to share with it. And, and it does that very well as well.
0: Right. Cause that's a lot of work. That's like yeah. 30, 45 minutes of, yeah. Of- Going through and and thinking about it, um, so that's not like a bad change, like lever to have.
1: So there have been some actual specific cases. I am now using it in my day to day work, and it is saving me time. Mm. But I've become aware that if I become lazy and if yeah. I stop, if I don't check things, if I just take it as I can take that and send. You're gonna become unstuck. You're gonna get caught out because there. I, I, one of the blog posts that I did, we're, we're based in uh, Gothenburg, Sweden, right, and there's right. a park. There's a park here, Slotskorgen, mm. and I was asking it to write an article about what to do on a on a day out in Gothenburg, and it, it suggested Slotskorgen. Mm. Now, Slotskorgen, the park, has a little urban farm, mm. and in that urban farm, it's got some pigs and some goats and some Lovely. horses. But ChatGPT said, correctly identified it had a farm, but said that it had monkeys and orchids. <laughs> and I just, where it got that idea from, what I don't know but if, you know, that's the sort of thing you really need to check it because right. some of it is just like not true at all.
0: Yeah. And that sort of also gets you into very scary ter- ter- territory, territory. Um, I asked it the other day for something very technical on a subject that I know nothing about. Mm. And it was very useful because it gave me a starting point to look for the information. But man, if I use that and try to sound confident and I send that to an expert in that field, that that's just setting up for embarrassment and, and, and crying and never getting to speak to that person again. Yeah. Because it's so obvious what I had done as well if I did yeah. that. Um, So there is, you you need to be careful. You can't just use the raw output if you don't understand it Uh, because yeah, we are the source of intent.
1: And this brings us back neatly to the Ezra Klein podcast. Mm. And he said, really, ChatGPT is great at producing bullshit content. Yeah. Drives Um, the
0: cost of bullshit to zero, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And now, if we're being being honest, a lot of uh, content produced in marketing and advertising, mm. the kind of stuff that's pumped out onto social media, and it really is just content there just to attract eyeballs, to push people off to yeah. a link. That is a lot of the time bullshit content.
0: Right. And it's created to sell ads or to fuel an agenda. Yeah. And that's that's a little bit scary. That That's something to think about. Like, How do yeah. we relate? Like, how do we manage that?
1: Well, I mean, and that but bullshit content, really. Remember, like, when it was all about BuzzFeed and those, like, top 10 articles to... And mm. it was basically, you had a load of actually fairly kind of well-educated and high-quality writers whose time was spent going and scouring the internet, finding a load of articles related to that had been written properly, and then just summarizing those into top 10 bullet lists and then right. pumping those out initially yeah. on BuzzFeed and people saw that worked well for attention and then brands just started mimicking it. That is bullshit content.
0: Yeah. And it's and, going to be done by an AI, AI, and, like ChatGPT
1: from now yes, on out. Exactly. And I think if, you, if you're in the trade of bullshit content, your big chunk of your work is gone yeah now like I have a lot of friends actually who work in that space, and i see um there's been interesting articles um some of them writing kind of quite defensive pieces on ad- on the advertising industry um mm. journals saying defending their position really as as, as would be natural saying look We still need humans. There's this quote going around now saying, you won't be replaced by an AI, you will be replaced by a person using an AI. Mm -hmm. Yes. But what I think the nuance they're missing there is, the work that was done by 100 copywriters can now be done by one. So I think we are going to see huge reduction in the number of copywriters working in the advertising industry, for example.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be more and more important to have expertise in an area. Yeah. If you put those two together, Mm -hmm. like the AI cannot, it doesn't understand what it's writing. So it can't really determine if something is correct or not. If you're a writer, however, that is really good at something with with a good understanding of a topic, then I think you have a lot of work because then you can, use the ai tools that are kind of come out like not chat gtp in its raw form but the the next iteration of of useful tools that sort of survive the next two months of (laughs) madness um but i think those guys are gonna have so much work and it's gonna be i think a a real accelerator of useful content in the in those cases where there is actually a team or a person that sort of can monitor what's happening there and and get more quality content out quicker. So I think that's yeah. the counterpart to what you're talking about there.
1: So the counterpart, absolutely, you can have um be more productive and those writers with with kind of true knowledge Well, The other thing, the optimistic side I have for, for the writers that are left is that personality, that perspective, that agency. Mm. The, the kind of the the things that a human does w- really well compared yeah. to, a, to an ai that that will become more and more valued yeah Be- because the other thing in relation to content production i've been reflecting on is all right we've now opened the tap so that we can just have way more content just being mass produced right like huge, the fire hose is on if once it was a tap we now have a jet stream of (laughs) content that just going to be
0: scary scary image
1: (laughs) but it's still the same number of human eyeballs and brains who are meant to be reading it and understanding it right
0: this is the time to get into a startup uh where you filter content for people in a useful way I, i guess social media has been doing that but kind of poorly right yeah Sorry, I was interrupting you, but
1: no. Uh, so it's that other side of it. Although great, yeah, we now have a, have a, a huge ability to just mass create a load of uh, fairly kind of at times bullshit content. Hmm. Um we still have the same number of or well, approximately the same number of humans who we're targeting as customers who we're trying to get to read it. And so right. I does it actually end up that actually the quality raises? Um So, yeah, that's kind of a a more optimistic spin. I I don't think you can escape the fact that a lot of work done by creative agencies, advertising agencies, was that fluff content just to sort of just puff things out. Mm. And that is now going to be much easier to do at a large scale and done by far less people. Right. And so there will be less need
0: for copywriters right one thing that i'm really uh, sort of i don't think it's a good development is one th- I, I saw this linkedin post someone was welcoming this and i just thought this is really not how you should be using these tools um someone said can we finally put lorem ipsum to death yeah and i my reaction to that is like uh, no no we we want lorem ipsum to to be able to determine that it is bullshit content we 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 want to be able to see that this is not done like don't fill your like wireframes or early prototypes up with ai generated text i know that i'm gonna for sure because it's gonna look so good and it's gonna be so easy to do it but I I urge everyone to be a little bit careful and and keep lorem ipsum because we want to have that ability to distinguish between something that isn't done and something that is done. I think we're going to do ourselves a disservice if we start filling everything with bad content just because it looks good. So I I just want to sort of raise the flag for lorem ipsum as a really good way of, of signaling that something is not done um is is a, th- a thing that i think is going to be important and i think it's going to be appreciated uh more and more as we see all of this bullshit content filling every nook and cranny that you can put text in
1: so we've spoken a lot about the copywriting side of things that producing mm-hmm. words Right. What other use cases have you seen ChatGPT being used for where you think this is going to be hugely imp- impactful? One, one for me is academia mm. and education. Yeah. we ha- That now is going to be difficult for tutors to be able to know right. that their people have been able to actually written what they're submitting.
0: Right. I think the art of... Talking. I'm a very verbal person. I learn, uh, I learn from talking. That's a big part of the reason why I think podcasting is like doing a podcast is a very mm. good way to learn things because I, I that's how I personally process things. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more of that stuff. Kids are going to have to explain yeah. what they've written about. So first, they write an essay using whatever tools they have access to. And then they sort of have to explain what they've been doing. But I think you raised a really good point the other day that just the penmanship and the act of writing something down. And for me, that's not such a big deal because I don't think about that because I, I just talk and that's how I learn. It's a long time since I used a pen and paper. Um, but I mean, it's it, it is proven that that is one of the best ways to learn is to write things down pen and paper and yeah we're we're definitely going to see a reduction in how i think exams made on a computer that's not going to happen anymore
1: no they're going to have to find new ways to um to validate that learning's happened um I'll leave that to the academics and educators because I yeah. think it's a, it's a huge problem. The So that's that's one area. Then if you were to kind of the, the kind of, if we, we've mentioned Desiree Klein's podcast, which is the more sceptical right. side of, of the impact, if we were to go to the other side of kind of people, organisations who are saying this is changing everything, which we will also share a link to, there was this fantastic list of prompts that right. gave examples of all the different th- types of people you could get chat GPT to emulate. Yeah. And I'm just going to read out some of them. We'll, as I say, we'll share this in the link. But it came down, and I don't know if people have tried this, but actually a good way to use Chat GPT is to say, act like a, like a, for example I said earlier, act like a business analyst who has to ask questions. Well, here's some of the different prompts that people have tried. Um, it can be, act as a JavaScript console. Act as an Excel spreadsheet, act as a travel guide, act as an advertiser, act as a football commentator, act as a motivational coach, act as a debater, act as a novelist, act as a relationship coach, act as a rapper, act as a philosopher, a maths teacher, a recruiter, a magician, a pet behavioralist. Like, so th- th- this person has, or this team have gone and collected it and they have examples where you can see what ChatGPT has been able to produce when you tell it to act like a certain person. Mm. You can even ask them to act as an experienced or an inexperienced or someone with a high IQ or a low IQ. or And they've shown examples of the type of content that gets produced. Now, if you extend this, take the one that's in front of me, act as a dentist, mm. what the, these people are suggesting is that ChatGPT can replace subject matter experts such as dentists and all you need to do is say act as a dentist and give recommendations for someone who has insert name a dental Mm. problem what's your take on that jacob like that it could replace all of these specialist roles chefs financial analysts tea tasters
0: and i mean that's where i think we get back to the whole thing about i mean maybe but not with this technology This technology cannot do that. It's literally impossible because it's not made to do that. It can only take a lot of information on those specific topics and then retell that in a voice, as you say, which is really useful. That is good. We should use that. We should leverage that. We should be careful about that so that we don't sort of overuse it. But We we have to understand that this is not a person Writing this, it mm-hmm. doesn't have a reason for putting these specific words together, it doesn't have a way to distinguish that. Oh well, this is a little bit dubious. Is this really true? No, it can. It's perfectly, and I'm quote on like big air quotes here, happy with just spitting out some random sequence of, of words that we are happy with, then it's done its job so. No, it won't replace anyone in those spaces. Um, but we're gonna get more work done. That's that's the my positive view. Like, I don't think that many people at all are gonna get replaced uh, by these tools. But I think it's gonna be increasingly important for everyone, uh, specifically in these creative spaces: programmers, artists, uh, writers. Service designers uh, to, to be using these tools effectively and with a measure of integrity that sort of we have to become good at recognizing what we have done using these tools so that we just don't just... Um, accidentally spread misinformation i think because that's so easy to do that now just like not with malice but just by accident we spread something that isn't value creating that is in fact damaging um so yeah i think no i'm not worried about that i don't think that's a a likely scenario um i think one of the best ones in that list is the uh, ascii ascii uh art maker thing make a cat in ascii characters so it just makes like it puts together cat characters so that it looks like a cat and i think yeah. that's yeah. The, the one of the most lovely use cases for ai that i've ever come across i think that's fabulous um i also want to highlight uh, or, or or give everyone uh, and we're going to put that as well in the links uh, mckinsey their capabilities uh, how how tools like chat gtp could change your business it's a it's an excel sheet connected to an article the article is great the excel sheet is a very good sort of primer i'm just going to take one at random Mm. um a use case for uh risk and legal that's scary because that that sort of but i again the, the lawyer is going to be there and be the creative and knowledgeable partner to the ai tool but Answer questions from large amounts of legal documents, including public and private company information. That's interesting. There's a lot of problems with that. Um, how, like, when it comes to legal, if I were a lawyer at a company, I would probably read the whole thing first <laughs> so that I yeah. understand what's happening. Yeah, but then it could we could use the AI to extract things so that we don't have to keep track of everything still very very dangerous thing to do but i think it's going to be done and and it's going to save uh, a lot of time for these lawyers
1: yeah i'm just going to call out some others but you've Mm -hmm. just whilst risk and legal so they're the ones there draft and review legal documents summarize and highlight changes in large bodies of regulatory documents right and then answer questions from large amounts of legal documents agree with you jacob you as the lawyer you would still want to have read that whole thing and right. you might use it to do it something the legal risk side as well just while we're on it is um remember how uh, big companies got in trouble because they were just having employees copy and pasting things into google translate and then google were therefore finding out loads of confidential material right. open ai is just going to be screaming off all of this potentially very sensitive intellectual oh, property yeah. so be careful what you're putting into that because it's going and yeah. you don't know how it's going to be used so don't put confidential information into uh, open ai or do so at your peril and you'd probably lose your job frankly if that I
0: don't do out. that at your peril like please <laughs> don't do that at your own don't peril it's that. it's a bad idea there are ways of anonymizing both back and then like Again, Both it directions. takes thought
1: though, doesn't it? Yes. You cannot thoughtlessly, mindlessly use it because you're playing with absolute fire. No, no. The other use cases from this McKinsey article, it breaks it down into different categories. Like Jacob said, you've got risk and legal. You've also got HR. They give examples of assisting mm. in creating interview questions. You've got IT and engineering. And we've right. seen a lot of this, on, haven't we, on Twitter yeah. and LinkedIn, writing code and documentation. Yeah. Um and actually trans- uh, transcribing things from one language into another yeah uh, code reviews yeah. um so huge and then operations chatbots yeah or identifying production error anomalies
0: actually you asked me before what what excites me the most mm. hr chatbots yeah. that's i mean i i'm, I'm traveling for work and I apologize if anyone that is responsible for the, 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 the process of, of like doing everything connected with traveling at work at any company, but it's always horrible. It's crazy. Like why can't I get a straight answer from the from the intranet? And mm-hmm. it's because it's hidden in some document somewhere. Yeah. I want a chatbot to not only tell me what to do, but also initiate the process for me. I would like to go here and I want to book this hotel. And it just does that for me. That cannot be far off.
1: No. And this sort of model enables it. And then closer to kind of some of the things that's actually under the heading on McKinsey, marketing and sales, Um, but it includes creating product user guides, marketing and sales copy. And then one that really stands out for us, Jacob, analyzing customer feedback. Yeah. Now, have you tried taking a load of interviews dropping it into chat gpt and seeing what insights come out of it if you ask it to kind of summarize with insights
0: i have had difficulties here Mm -hmm. because i'm so hard to find interviews that aren't sensitive like Mm. that's a big problem um i think for that one i'm i'm mainly waiting for but I did because I had uh, a bunch of interviews from a project that I did for my own like years ago that I just saved the raw data and I took that and I put it in and it was uh, like I asked it uh, very um, I asked it to do something very 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 rudimentary is to to summarize uh, which words are the most common in this text and that's useful I think There's going to go a a lot of thought that's going to go into if we just take design and research, design research as a, a, there's going to have to be some some work going into how to do that. I think we need like a full on separate tool that A, is confined so that we know where the data goes because it's almost always sensitive. Mm -hmm. The other part is it needs to sort of understand what a project is. Mm. So that I can put like a load of files in there, and then I can ask it questions about those files. Yeah. Um, but it did actually produce a, a good fraction of the insights that I had already came up, come up with. Not yeah. everything, and and I didn't spend that much time on it. Uh, partly because GTP is very clunky for for like working with large bodies of text. Um. But it is useful, and I can definitely see that this is the way. The Holy Grail, for some reason, when it comes to design research, is we have to uh, put together quality and quantitative data, mm. and this is the way to do that. Yeah, if that is useful, we will still sort of wait and see. I think yeah. um, I had a little yeah. play
1: around with it with mm-hmm. a, a side, a personal project, not a mm. not a work project. Um, and what I found was that. It, it was useful for um, if you want to tick the box of synthesis, if you throw at it several bits mm. of information and you want to kind of tick the box of this, yes, this is a synthesis of what was said. Yes, right. it does do that. Right. The first thing, obvious thing is shit in, shit out. So yep. if you're putting st- bad things in there, Yeah. It's only as good as what content you're putting in there. And if you've written really long notes for one of the interviews and really short notes for the other one, it kind of gets an imbalance. And you as the researcher intuitively, well, you you know that, so you can kind of, you you have the memory as well. Yeah. The other thing it lacked was um, understanding the context of what the project was for and what what the research insight is going to be used for. Right um So as a kind of dumb synthesis of a mass of data, yeah, yeah, but as actually tailoring that to be useful for a specific outcome or need yeah. that you have, that's where it's well, it, it didn't do such a good job.
0: What I'm afraid of is that it's going to make me or anyone else lazy. Yeah, like we're going to have these tools and we're not going to bother reading through or doing interviews because we have tools that do that, and like most of the profound insights that we get comes from working with the data a lot. Yes. Like really understanding it, getting into it. And for, to some extent, I think it's inevitable that we're not going to be working with our data that much. I think we it's just not going to be like that anymore. I, I think like post-its on the wall sort of died with remote working. Hmm. Um, now I'm working digitally, but I'm still working through the data. And I, for me, that works fantastic for some friends that I have. I know that they're struggling a little bit, like they, they really longing for the post-it notes. Um, but this is just going to accelerate and we're going to have to find ways of of doing profound insight. But But
1: I think, yeah, I think that was a really good call out Jacob about don't be lazy and let's kind of like, mm. you know, be look talk now about like what, how should we be using it? The how of how we use this. And I think we've we've called out some things already. Um, that there, don't be lazy, because you you can't trust it. You need no. you can't. Whether you're the lawyer with the big regulatory framework, or whether you're a designer who's gone and got a load of research, yes to tick the box of synthesizing or summarizing, it can be tempting to just stick it in chat GPT and out it comes with something that yeah. seems like it's good. But at, you cannot replace spending time digesting, reading that regulatory framework, reading and sitting on no. the research, because it, it isn't better than uh, an expert human right now in those fields. So don't be lazy.
0: And I mean, you can if you want to cheat, you can go all the way. Why do the interviews? Why not just make the chatbot bot create the answers to your questions. Like first create the questions and then the answers to the questions and you'll get a good approximation yeah. of something that could be, could be relevant.
1: It's, it seems like there was actually an article about that saying, is ChatGPT going to replace the user in the user interviews? Because you can <laughs> right. say, as a buyer of a soft drink in a cafe, you, <laughs> you, I'm going. To, oh, how do you feel about it? and and it, it comes back with answers that kind oh, of sink. But there are
0: so many problems with that line of thought. That yeah, I, I, I'm having a hard time unpacking that. But like, if we if innovation is at any at any level interesting to you, uh, that's not the way to do it. <laughs>
1: No, it's it's about integrity, isn't it? Yeah. And in this case, having the integrity is going to lead to
0: far superior results. That right. Yeah, I was going to say, even if you're a person without integrity at all, yeah, you're still going to see such problems, and you, it's not a good way to do it. Like,
1: if you know. no one cares, <laughs> then it's going to be fine. Yeah.
0: If if, if you no don't one care is gonna do and no one cares it, and yeah. no one's going to
1: do anything about it which is a separate discussion, Jacob, about <laughs> yeah. how much of design research is actually in that.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's not get into that. Um,
1: so apart from not being lazy and not trusting it, Jacob, mm-hmm. what else is your advice to people who are in a situation where so- they're sometimes hearing, oh, this is going to take my job, yeah. but they're also intrigued about how to make the most of it? What other advice would you give? Right.
0: Them? Uh, uh, this is kind of broad strokes, but I think one of the most important things... That we can do is to to recognize that this can be very emotional. We have to understand that it's scary when when we hear all of these like theories on LinkedIn or Twitter that oh this is going to take away your jobs. Uh, I I'm, I want to say that that's likely not going to happen. Um, that being said, I think there is something to one thing that is going around the internet right now. And that is the thing about a person. It's not the AI that's going to take your job. It's a person using AI. And I think that's true. I think that to me, it's the most scary thing is people that don't like want to get into understanding how to use these tools. I'm not saying that we're going to use ChatGTP, by the way, as the work tool. What I'm saying is that there are going to be tools that will take some amount of training in order to use them, uh, and I think it's a good time to start. Just log into to ChatGTP and ask it to do some things for you, and 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 work on how to transform what you learn or what you what you create with that prompt. In in this case, I'm sorry. Um, Take what you create and then rework it a couple of times inside of ChatGTP. Make sure that you put your thoughts and your agency and your interpretation of what you want into that piece of text so that you confidently can say that I wrote this using ChatGTP. I think that's step one.
1: Yeah, totally agree. So get in there, play with it, and be confident about how you can use it and maintain integrity with what you're producing. The There is this Amara's law where humans typically over-predict how impactful a new technology is going to be in the short term right. and then un- underestimate how impactful it's going to be in the long term. And I don't see any reason why this isn't going to be exactly the same here with ChatGPT. If, if you think about it, organizations, companies, marketing teams had the ability to go and use things like Fiverr or outsourcing to cheaper countries to produce content for a really long time. And a lot of them haven't. Why? It isn't because of the lack of quality that's produced by those uh, uh, new platforms or uh, outsourcing. It's because using those types of different ways of producing it requires different processes within the marketing team themselves. Yeah. So even if, which I don't think is true, even if ChatGPT was able to produce just as high a quality in less time, you still have the adoption process of the humans within the organization, yeah. the business to actually start to change the way they're working. And that stuff doesn't happen overnight. No. So that's going to be one of the things that, that uh, slows it down. But then, as you say, even though that's overestimating the short term, but then in the long term, make sure you're in a position that you are one of these professionals, whether you're a dentist or a doctor or a writer or a service designer, who is confidently able to use the AI tools rather than one of the ones who's fighting against it. The worst thing you can do, and one of my uh, friends and ex-colleagues here I can see, they are kind of fighting against the AI. They're angry They're they're writing rants on LinkedIn about, um, which I understand and have empathy for, about how these language models have extracted input data from copyright material and essentially stolen human creativity. And I think that's a whole separate discussion.
0: And And it's it's not untrue. No. But it doesn't change the fact that we, as professionals, can't really do anything about that right now. No. So... We just sort of have to wait until the EU and the US governments are sort of done processing what is happening, but likely they're not going to really stop this development. Maybe they'll put put some boundaries on top of it, but we still need to understand our place in this new world of, of professional work. And if we can understand it well enough to be okay with the tools being out there. I think we have such an opportunity to leverage our professional potential. Yeah. Uh, I can see small teams becoming so efficient using this. Like uh, just two people that have a, a, a broad set of skills can create companies and have marketing be done with chat gtp and just some freelance hours and if everything goes well i think we can we can really accelerate what can be done in a short amount of time because of these tools but it requires intentional input from us
1: so aspire for more impact there was that quote that went round with the left-wing democrats when uh, donald trump got elected that said don't get angry organize and it's the same message yeah. being emotional and angry and upset isn't might be legitimate you might have good reasons for it but it's not going to be helpful instead it's organize it's not be constructive yeah. see how this can enable you to be more productive you to deliver more value and that is going to serve you in the in the long term anything else jacob practically that people should be doing so go in try the tools, work out how you can benefit from it. We've given lots of examples in this of how we've used it. Anything else you'd call out?
0: I I think, and we have talked about this already, uh, understand what the tool isn't. Really make an effort to understand how you can interpret an output from these tools. They are not to be trusted they are not personal they are not done with a specific intent they are not they don't have agency that they can't make an informed decision from a specific perspective but you can you have that ability to sort through what comes out and make something that is really really awesome and you're going to be able to make create do more things quicker so get out there and try it understand it and use it totally agree
1: jacob and finally from from our point of view i want to thank all the people who've messaged me in the last couple of weeks with questions about this and have prompted us to jump on and do this episode please continue to reach out to me and jacob about this topic how you're using it but other things that you're seeing emerging so it's been great people doing that. Please continue to message us.
0: Um, so David, let's get back to preparing for the proper season three. Yeah. Uh, it is coming out. Um, I think one thing that we should really call out is if you're looking for art, Dickie Hanafi on Fiverr that has done our art. I think he's just fabulous and i just want to give him the biggest shout out it's so great and he's a real person
1: yeah we are still using human illustrators everyone and because we see the difference so thank you dicky
0: awesome <laughs> um i'm really happy about this i think this is good
1: i think we're done jake i think we can I, stop I recording. Think so. yeah should i think we so just stop
0: recording you should you have been listening to a special episode of designing the robot revolution about how creatives can stay on top of the recent developments in generative ai thank you for listening